0: welcome welcome to ask the sheikh program um, this is a program on uh, radio ramadan 365 it runs from mondays to thursdays from 600 welcome back to ask the sheikh program uh, we have dr nazim guri with us dr nazim Wow, so lot and he's joining us today um, to talk about general people's uh, health during Ramadan and what you should eat and what you should avoid and and so forth. Um, and this program is the the Sheikh program. It goes out on six to seven p.m. Mondays to Thursdays in English, and then from Friday to Sunday in Urdu. Um, and we're on Radio Ramadan 365. If you have any questions, anything related to Islamic topics that you would like to ask, any of your any of our sheikhs that will be coming on. In the forthcoming weeks. Uh, feel free to send in your questions or thoughts on Facebook or you can tweet us or you can even email us and those questions will then be collected together and brought into the studio and then we can uh, post them to our shio who come onto the show. So Dr Nazim then we've talked a few things. We've talked about generally uh, people's health and well-being uh, during this time of lockdown. We've talked about uh, things that they should be and we, uh, we were talking about things that they should be eating. So you were mentioning things that are um, things like fruit, for example, less uh, fried food, uh, especially things that are fried in oil and things. Mm. Uh, I mean, what else do you suggest and we've talked about how much water a person should be drinking? You were saying yeah. at least about two liters to prevent dehydration. What other kind of foods can you take? And especially with the, the prophetic advice of eating eating less?
1: Yeah. So the thing with eating less is that, um, as I said also calorie density is important. The type of food that you eat as well, if the food is broken, important, the type of food that you eat as well, if the food is broken down more slowly, then you are uh, a less likely to feel hungry and be or get a kind of sustained release of energy because although your body stores the energy uh, of all the, uh, stores all the kind of food, uh, and broken down food in your fat and muscle cells, and mm-hmm. then be we'll decided later on. You can sometimes get these kind of dips during the day when you kind of feel that lull when the kind of body is kind of switching to a different mode. Mm-hmm. So having food with a low glycemic index, so kind of, uh, we talk about starchy food, but food particularly that have perhaps kind of the whole meal component, however, uh, then these starchy foods take even longer to break down. So brown bread, for example, um Eat, I want to use my eat chapatis because chapatis with the, the wholemeal flour is a bit longer to break down. The idea is that you won't feel as hungry over time. Right. So these are foods that are useful to have porridge, for example, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like at the Sahari time in particular. If there are some people like, I mean, dates themselves are very rich in sugar. So eating a couple of dates, kind of especially the juicy ones, the medjool dates are the kind of like fresh ones. You can get an, an, a, a sugar hit quite quickly. Right. And obviously, people have the ruhafza uh, and uh, uh, they have their uh, kind, of, kind of full fat coke and all these things there. All these things will add to the calories very quickly. So, uh, you might not necessarily eat a lot of them, but it certainly will be getting energy. But it comes back to how much one should eat in the first place. As I say, there's things to factor in. Number one is the sunnah in terms of we should eat in moderation. Number two, from a fit perspective, is that we should be able to eat enough to fulfill our religious obligations. And also our worldly obligations in terms of we have to earn a living or whatever. Uh, and that also applies, for example, to, well, not so much as I said with social distancing and lockdown, but even for imams, for example, who are going to lead a Taraweeh prayer or are going to be teaching lessons during the day to have enough energy so that they're not always tired themselves. So this is, it's important one eats enough to fulfill that need. And each person is different within Excellent. that. And then the final aspect is to do with your own weight status as well. Because a lot, Ramadan is an opportunity to lose weight. And one thing I have realized with all of this COVID illness is that I mean, Muslims on Muslims, Asians on Asians. Aside, is that being overweight is put as an adverse risk when it comes uh-huh. to poorer outcome from COVID. Okay. And so, it's an opportunity to lose one uh, to lose weight, not just from the general health census which we talk about every year, which people perhaps have got a bit immune to and falls on deaf ears.
0: Mm-hmm. But in
1: terms of the kind of your immediate health benefits as well. In terms so, can of- you have
0: uh, can a person who's fasting then, for example, make the intention of losing weight as of part course. of their yeah, as part of their Ramadan?
1: Yeah, so the primary intention is to what? To fast to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The highest for, uh, intention one makes is that one is doing something purely for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because as their slave, they want to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I will say, adding on later on to that, whatever intention Rasulullah made by doing that act as well, we make to, uh, that we do the act with the same intention because as you know, he didn't necessarily verbalize or vocalize or explain every single thing he did. He did certain yeah. things and we don't know what was in his heart. Therefore, to maximize our own benefit and inshallah Allah's uh, mercy upon us, we say whatever intention Rasulullah SA did it with, we do it as well. Salam. The next intention might be, for example, because we want to do it for a particular reward and there's nothing wrong with doing things for reward because Allah subhanahu wa Taala says I will reward you. Uh-huh. And then the next thing after that is that we're doing it for kind of worldly benefit as well, whether it's for our losing weight or whatever. But if that losing weight is so that we become stronger to worship Allah subhanahu wa Taala, it comes back to that initial intention as well. So, all these uh, intentional links, that's why Mount Ghazali says that we should make as many intentions as we can. Because uh, we know you you and I both know the hadith very well that a person is rewarded on the intention by, uh, or, or granted based on intention by which they intend to do something, not what yeah. the actual action is, but mm-hmm. the actual intention they start out with.
0: Okay, very Some good. Now,
1: well, Doctor
0: Nazan, one of the one of the questions that came up um, in the similar mm-hmm. vein. One of the questions that came up was about smoking. Now, there are mm-hmm. people, of course, that smoke, and uh, you know they know the health uh, risks in, involved. But then it's, it's something that they do in any case. When it comes to Ramadan, can Ramadan be then a source of, uh, or or at least a start in the right direction of them of them learning to quit?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, one thing is, fasting will break the fast. So a person who is smoking and, uh, and wants to give up smoking mm-hmm. by virtue of fasting 18, 19 hours of the day means that they're not going to be having a cigarette. There's only so many cigarettes you can smoke in five or six hours of the day. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, after that, and very might you have to pray, eat your iftar, do your secondary. But that said, it's a way of kind of dealing with addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, you might need additional support in the form of nicotine patches, and That's they right. would not invalidate the fast.
0: Okay, very good. So, it's an
1: opportunity to combine the religious aspect of having the obli- obligation of being, having to abstain from fasting, but also using medical treatments on board with it to help uh, kind of deal with the, um, the addiction side of things. Now, I never take addiction lightly, not in terms of my own personal addiction, but in terms of addiction of others. Addictive behavior, addiction is a very strong feeling to control and curtail. Uh, I, I do not deny that. I do not. Uh, de- neglect that and therefore it's very important you seek medical advice in trying to make it as easy as possible because when you try and fast you end up becoming crabbit and you stand up going you know, abusive toward other people you're being counterproductive with your time when it comes to fasting Absolutely. similarly and I'm going to be honest and explicit about this there are Muslims who drink alcohol who are addicted to alcohol as well mm. of course yeah. and uh, and obviously they want to fast when they get to but even if you're in that circumstance situation if you're addicted to alcohol going cold turkey can be more harmful for you than actually seeing medical advice and maybe getting therapies or even being given advice on how to maybe how to cut back on alcohol before fasting. And you might think, why am I saying to somebody not to fast uh, when they're drinking alcohol when fasting is obliged on them? It's because I understand the serious implications of somebody who stops drinking acutely. And I've yeah. seen this in Muslims as well.
0: Okay, excellent. Uh, Dr. Ghuri is with us. We're talking about uh, health and we're talking about uh, healthy eating, especially during the month of Ramadan, and we're getting advice from him in terms of how what kind of habits we should be employing and if there's any bad habits, that how we can use Ramadan as a way to, to break them. Um, okay, so we've been covering different types of uh, questions about fasting and so forth, and uh, there's a number of questions that listeners have posed in the past that we have that we will then uh, we'll spend the rest of the show just going through different questions and answers then. Uh, one of the questions that comes up is things like, you know, when you're making wudu and you're mm. gargling water, are mm. you allowed to gargle the water or should you just leave that out?
1: Okay. Um, my internet signal is saying it's unstable, but you can hear me okay?
0: Yeah, I can hear you fine. Yeah. Like, okay,
1: Go that's fine. So in terms of gargling, number one, gargling uh, is not a, a firm uh, except uh, when it comes to uh, ghusl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unless somebody has to do a, a fard or wajib ghusl, they, uh, th- there's no reason to ever have to gargle. Now, even okay. within gargling, uh, in that context of that, in that type of ghusl, one is allowed to not gargle because of potential risk of invalidating the fast because they could gargle and accidentally swallow the water and they'd have to make the fast up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I say when it comes to gargling, unless a person uh, has um, is in a situation where you have to do whistle and they'll have to actively think not to to gargle because they would. it's just don't gargle at all when you're doing whistle. Uh, just stay away from gargling because anything mm. that uh, puts the, the fast at risk of being broken. Uh, yeah. So for example, a person uses toothpaste, a person gives blood, uh, or whatever all these examples. It is makruh. Okay. Therefore, I would always tell somebody don't gargle, but I accept at the same time somebody might do it out of habit, or more importantly, somebody might do it and not re- remember at a time they were fasting. Right. Now, if somebody at the moment of gargling in a wudu forgot they were fasting, and then a little bit of water goes down the back of your throat, and then they remembered I was fasting. Mm-hmm. That's fine, because at yep. a time when you did that action, you forgot you were fasting. Right. So forgetting and doing something that invalidates the fast. Is different to somebody who does something by mistake which is mm-hmm. different to somebody doing that same action deliberately there's three different levels okay and the, same, ca- and is the
0: same and there's the same story with uh, putting water up your nose well exactly so mm-hmm. if
1: when you sniff water in your nose to you kind of take that deep <laughs> sniff in and then it goes in the back of your throat again no need to kind of do a kind of uh, Goldberg scene at the start of your kind of wrestling entrance in a titantron <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just, it, it Not just many people
0: it. got that reference. <laughs> right, go on. Uh,
1: so I, what I would say in that situation is one way to do it is to take the wet fingers and put it into the nose mm-hmm. so that you're, you're wetting it yourself rather than kind of, particularly if you're one who tends to have a bit of a kind of cocaine-type sniff of water.
0: Okay, and uh, in terms of uh, you mentioned uh, injections, well, you talked about. Uh, I mean, in terms of a person has to go and give blood or has to mm. have uh, bloods taken for whatever reason, mm. is that allowed during during yeah. fasting?
1: So one is the actual giving of blood so you give a pint of blood, now mm-hmm. the good thing is, and I and I made this point on the Facebook live session uh, last week, and I actually did, and my theory was correct, is that that the need or demand for blood has gone right down because operations are not taking place apart from emergency operations. Right. So because of that, there's not actually a need to give blood during Ramadan anyway. Mm. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is that if somebody is now used to giving blood or by giving blood, they, they become weak, mm. then uh, you're not going to be in that situation. Because like I said, if you give blood and you become weak, then you might be at risk of kind of, heart, uh, invalid, kind of endangering the fast and become makruh. If If you're a strong, healthy person, giving blood makes no difference, that's fine. On the other situation, you mentioned about like blood tests. Now, if somebody needs a blood test done, mm. more often than not, that blood test is done because somebody needs to give blood either to make sure the drugs they're on are safe or they're unwell. Particularly in the case of that latter circumstance, if they're unwell, the question is, should they be fasting in the first place or not? The answer is maybe they could be, maybe they shouldn't be. Uh, But a blood test like that probably wouldn't break the fasting in and of itself. Why? Because it's a very minor amount of blood going. Unless the person has a phobia of needles and they might pass out or something, and and then that's a separate issue.
0: Okay, brilliant. We have Dr. Nazim Ghori with us uh, today, and we're on the Ask the Sheikh program. Uh, which goes out every Monday, Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. If you have any questions that you'd like to ask either Dr. Nazem or any of our show or guests that are going to come up in the uh, upcoming shows, then do get in touch with us on Facebook or tweet or email us into Radio Ramadan 365 and we'll try and keep those uh, questions to the side and then pose them uh, to our guests as they come on. We're talking about fasting today, about the health implications. Um, we've talked about being in lockdown, how things have changed for us in terms of our normal routine during Ramadan. We've also talked about and the importance of drinking water and the kind of foods that we should be eating. In terms of uh, missing fasts, Dr. Nazem, so Mm. people who have missed fasts, let's say, let's say say people have missed fast anyway because they haven't fasted in the past Mm. during Ramadan, what Mm. what do they do in terms of missed fasts? How do you you make them up after Ramadan?
1: So the important thing is, say you've missed fasts for health reasons, Mm -hmm. then you'd only resume fasting when the health uh, situation is such that it's safe or okay to fast. So that same nice. reason it's applicable in Ramadan will be applicable out of Ramadan for some people or at mm-hmm. some for, or for certain times of the year. If a person can't fast at all in Ramadan or out with Ramadan, there's a, there's a perpetual or permanent state, then that's when obviously the fidya comes into play and you'd be advised to speak to a scholar or a imam to discuss that further.
0: Okay. If on the
1: other hand a person has missed fast to make up whether because they were unwell in the past and they haven't made them up or whether because obviously they're female and of a reproductive age and they've got missed fast due to say pregnancy or menstruation or kind of postnatal bleeding, or whether it's because they've become more close to the subantala and they want to start fulfilling the obligation of fasting and they have got missed fast because they either didn't fast when they were younger, either as a child because they were a bit lax or because they just hadn't fasted full stop. Then in that circumstance you'd be expected to make the fasts up. The Hanafi school is dead easy. As long as you make the fast up before one passes away, then you're you fulfill the obligation uh, of the of making up the missed fast. So the important thing is to ascertain how many fasts they are. And if these fasts are a very large in number, and you're, for example, you're, you are find fasting difficult in any way, anyway, uh, then you can use the winter months, the autumn months to fast, and maybe fast Mondays and Thursdays, or three days a month or something, fulfilling as many other sunnas as well, and get yourself into a habit. So I tend to tell people, why do you start from maybe the beginning of November through to maybe the end of February or even March, and fast two days, Mondays and Thursdays. So typically that might be six to eight fasts a month.
0: And is, is, is it is it the same with um, estimating prayers? Do you estimate the number of fasts missed?
1: You have to, yeah. You go. So the good thing with, say, for example, when it comes to say, missed fast from menstruation, which tends to be the big one because people haven't, we have been a bit neglectful or haven't realized the importance of making up. You go back and ascertain when did they, when did they start? When did it all start for them? And then ascertain how many Ramadans has it been, and ascertain from what their habit is how many they would have missed. Add them all up and start working through them. If it comes right. to a situation where somebody hadn't been fasting and then they started to become serious about their, uh, their, uh, their, their religious obligations, then they should ascertain mm-hmm. when they attain puberty. So puberty, uh, if, they didn't, if they don't know kind of from the kind of physical side, 14 and a half uh, 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 solar years, uh, um, 15 lunar years, mm-hmm. you would ascertain from that, okay, how many Ramadans have been? How many fasts have I made? And, and As best you can, you have to try and calculate Accepting a line for the fact they might be a bit out and you try to start making them up that way And the same way okay. for as well uh, And you should have it. The good thing with Ramadan is that it's only once a year and it's only right. for 29 or 30 days The other thing is you need to ascertain whether was it was a 29 day, day month or was it a 30 day month that, that it was okay. And the historic uh, record will tell you that otherwise you'd use 30 the default position Which is what they for example use uh, when it comes to uh, kind of the aspect of things
0: Okay, very good. We've got Dr. Nazam Guri with us, and we're talking about fasting in Ramadan and any kind of health implications that that might bring about, but just general questions about Ramadan and fasting. There was a question that actually was sent in by a listener um, mm-hmm. previously, and they said that they were judging a bake-off competition, and... Uh, <laughs> And you may laugh, you may laugh. It's a real question. And what happened was they deliberately broke their fast during Ramadan in order to become a judge in that competition. So, your thoughts on, well, not on the competition itself, but what what does that person then have to do to make up that fast?
1: Again, do you have to I don't pay know any
0: compensation.
1: I mean, without knowing all the specifics, you're giving a, on the assumption that they, that this aspect of their job was such that. Uh, it wasn't like they had a gun at their head and it didn't do it to be killed kind of thing uh, One would hope that the circumstance would be something that could be mitigated avoided or kind of Done in a way that someone else could be a judge or done at a different time or whatever You a person would have broken the fast intentionally yes. Breaking the fast intentionally requires not only the makeup of the fast as you know But also a penalty that would have to be made up as well okay. uh, But Again without knowing the specifics of it I don't want to kind of label this person as somebody who has committed a major wrong action intentionally Okay. Uh, and they should speak to the, an imam or scholar so the exact uh, aspects and nuances of the scenario are fully made aware so that they're mm-hmm. given an, an answer that is appropriate, that is Sharia compliance, <laughs> so to speak. But <laughs> right. what we'd say at the very least is you have to make the fast up that you broke the fast in. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. So another question that's come up and comes up quite often is, uh, well, there's two questions that always come up when it comes to fasting during Ramadan. The first is about using toothpaste. Um, I mean I know Sheikh Amr Jamil always laughs at that question because it comes <laughs> up every every single year um, and also in terms of using something for your bad breath because as you know the bad breath is generated by, by fasting and not eating or drinking for a while um, and so are you allowed to use something uh, to try and kill off that smell and also are you allowed to brush your teeth during fasting?
1: So in terms of the brushing of the teeth and the assumption that we're talking about brushing teeth with toothpaste, mm-hmm. then the default position it is makru, in that it's disliked, in that it, in and of itself is not haram. Mm-hmm. But because it puts the fast at risk of breaking the fast, for example, if a person has a bit of t- t- a toothpaste residue in their mouth and end up swallowing it, or during the brushing their teeth, they kind of, kind of cough or end up swallowing it or whatever, these things all break the fast. Mm-hmm then it becomes macro to use toothpaste. But that has to be weighed up with what a person is doing in their day job in terms of are they going to be in close proximity with other people that they may be, um, be passed on the odor of their mouth. And on top of that, particularly has a Dao element that comes into play, particularly these people are non-Muslim as well, so they don't really appreciate what fasting entails and the rules relating to it. Then it may be an argument to say that brushing one's teeth and using the least amount of toothpaste possible and ensuring that all the toothpaste is washed out would be uh, a way of bridging that gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I'm, and I'm not giving an answering yes no answer I'm saying each person look at this, their own circumstance and make a decision on the matter if someone is using miswak then that's absolutely fine provided the kind of the fibers of miswak aren't, aren't swallowed um, okay. it's important to understand when they talk about the the people often make reference of the hadith of the, um, of the, the, the mouth of the smell of a uh, of smell that comes to a fasting person that is sweeter to Allah than Musk we need to understand that that hadith isn't always necessarily taken in a literal sense it's taken in terms of the the hunger that comes from that person, the fast of the, the smell, the hunger that comes as opposed to the actual bad breath itself. If bad mm-hmm. breath was okay, then even the use of miswak would have been also kind of prohibited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to understand that we have a responsibility. But what I would say is that we are in the main, most of the people, as are involved with either working from home or social distancing or whatever. So the need to perhaps go down a route uh, that uh, this route then compared to in the past, maybe is less of a need, but I'm not saying it's a non-need if you like, or unnecessary.
0: Okay, brilliant. And you all spoke, uh, you mentioned briefly about women that are menstruating. What, in terms of women that are pregnant or uh, they're nursing, um, what is the advice for them in terms of fasting?
1: So again, depend, depending on kind of how people look at it, the position I tend to take and follow, and generally what I've learned from my teachers, is that if there's any concern or risk of harm to mother and or baby, whether, whether it's the, the fetus in the womb or the, the, the baby that is being breastfed, then uh, a mother is perfectly entitled to either break the fast or abstain from fasting. And again, it would somewhat come back to the kind of three criteria I talked about earlier in terms of illness. Uh, and each mother is different in terms of, uh, kind of their ability to either fast whilst pregnant or whilst breastfeeding. Remember, sickness, vomiting, other illnesses a, a, a mother may have has, as part to play, the length of the fast, the demand of the, the child, the nutritional needs of the child, uh, both in the womb and, and with medication that the mother is on. All these factors come into play but the assumption that we're talking about a lady or mother who has no illness whatsoever uh, and they're pregnant and they're not having significant problems with vomiting and being dehydrated or being able to eat properly then the assumption would be that they they would be expected to fast but have a very low threshold for a breaking or abstaining from the fast if any problems arise and that abstention in terms of uh, or breaking the, the threshold gets even lower mm-hmm. particularly when there are um, other medical conditions on board, medication, even just if you're having a lot of problems with pregnancy-induced uh, nausea and vomiting, particularly when the fast are long and it's warm. Um, yeah. And again, if they're finding that they starting to fast with good intention, they break the fast, there's no harm. In fact, there'll be reward in breaking the fast. Why? Because you are fulfilling the obligation upon you in terms of you're doing that which pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I yeah. often come back to a different definition of fasting when it comes to or, or Ramadan, when it comes to speaking to people, when it comes to health. I say right. that you do what is obliged on you in the circumstances that you're in, and understand full well that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the circumstances that you're in. So if he right. created circumstances that you don't fast, he knows your circumstances, he created those circumstances, I he knows that those circumstances were where you would fast, so don't worry about it. What he wants to see is, are you submitting to my will and my circumstances by doing what is right in terms of fulfilling the obligation of looking after your body, or are you putting your own nafs or your own desire ahead of what God desires?
0: Absolutely, very well put. Just have a look here. Dr. Lāzum Guri is with us. Only for a few more minutes, um, and then we'll uh, end the show. But there's a question that actually was posted. I'm just trying to have a quick look at it. Okay, so there's a question about um, children who are um, just before the age of puberty. Um, would you advise uh, the parents to uh, make them fast? So I'm not sure what he means by making them fast. Would you force that upon children at that age, or would you suggest...
1: Absolutely. Give me an exact age of the child.
0: Um, Ten years old. It's from boy the text. or girl? Mm. Oh, boy! I know the person. <laughs> so, <yes. laughs>
1: so the reason I'm saying that is we need to understand when puberty comes into play, uh, right. and almost have to work backwards. So, in for a boy, puberty defined as when they have their first uh, seminal emission or first mm-hmm. ejaculation, which can be any time for a boy uh, in terms of normal age upwards of eleven. Okay.
0: Mm. So, uh, in, in terms of uh, the parents, then. Forcing it upon the children, you wouldn't recommend that.
1: Then, so what I would say is that Ramadan is once a year. It's not like praying. So this Ramadan they may be okay. Next Ramadan uh, they uh, they may be in a state where they actually become an adult, either just before, during, or just after. You don't know. So Mm -hmm. what I would say, part of our job as parents are to prepare our children for fasting. So it's an opportunity to do some fasting, but without the obligation of fasting. So try and do as many as one can within reason. Now, whether I would say the closer you get to the age of 12 for a a boy and 11 for a girl, the more you should be doing. Because the next year that comes, uh, or or rather 10 for a girl and 11 for a boy, because when the next year comes, you're actually in a situation where you could actually be adult by then. So you will not have another opportunity unless you're going to say, I'm going to use months of Shaban or whatever to kind of do as many fast as possible to build myself up. So very much lead a child to kind of be in the driving seat. Explain to them that you want them to do as many as they can, uh, even if it's not a full month. And part of it's preparing them for next year, and they'll be older and stronger in a year's time as well, inshallah. inshallah. But not to do none at all. I think that would be a bit foolish as well, unless there's a good reason, a legitimate reason, a valid reason from a medical perspective or otherwise. And I'm not in would never in a situation to tell anybody to overlook those situations. But I'm going assumption that everything is equal and normal.
0: Okay, brilliant! Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Nazim Guri, for joining us today. Um, Dr. Nazim Guri will, inshallah, also be available um, for maybe another program during the month as well, because a lot of questions that come in in terms of uh, mm. um, people's uh, health and well-being during Ramadan. So, inshallah, if, uh, you know, we'd be honoured if you join us again for another program uh, before the end of the month. So, this is the Ask the Sheikh program, uh, six to seven PM every Monday to Thursday in English, and then. Uh, Urdu for the rest of the week. And if you do have any questions, either health-related or otherwise, on any topics in Islam, please do get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter or email us the questions. And what we'll do is we'll collect them all together and then we'll pose them to our shiuch as they appear on following programs. But for now, thank you for listening. Uh, Salam from me and from Dr. Nazim. Salam alaikum. Thank you for joining us.